Deborah, with her 30 years of being an entrepreneur and creating over seven companies, knows exactly what it means to accept the mission. When you make that decision, when you accept the mission to become a solopreneur, to take yourself and your talents to market, then you embrace a life of not only unlimited possibilities, but also the unknown. It's an elixir of fear and bravery that only someone who's taken the leap really understands. On our show, Deb digs deep with her guest to highlight what you, the listener, wants to know. The stories, the whys, and the hows to navigate the journey to success. Get ready to hear from some of the most incredible mission takers from Generation Z to Boomers. So sit up, perk up, and get ready to be blown away. Now here is your host, Deborah Drummond. Welcome back. Welcome, 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 welcome. I must say that three or four times because I'm super excited to have you back. So listening or you're viewing, welcome back to the Mission Accepted podcast show. Very excited today and you're going to learn why. Listen, if you're new to the show, we interview the coolest entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, which I would definitely put Heather in the entrepreneur category. She's got some cool stuff going on. Media. If you're a podcast host, radio host, if you're into media or creatives, and some people like creatives, what's creatives? I'm like, look at, you know, we all have our break in the world of entrepreneurs and musicians are no different, <laughs> you know, singers, writers, artists, anyone who honestly needed to take the mission on, decided to take the mission on, or the mission picked them, which is interesting when I was watching Heather in her TED talk, it was kind of like, did she pick the mission or did the mission pick her, right? Or did she have a pivotal moment that made that light bulb go on for so many of us? And so I want to dig in. I don't want to tell her story. I want her to tell it herself. So Heather, welcome to the Mission Accepted Show. Thank you, Deborah. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming. So um, we've spent some time together. I've had the grace of being on your show and love how you do that and really tell stories right? Work through stories. Um, you've got a great book, you've got speaking, but one of the things that I found um, that really kind of draws, draw, drew myself to you, and I believe other people, is that you have a really cool idea around what balance is and isn't, even if it doesn't exist, um, where you're going, how that mission came to be, but you were juggling. You were doing a lot of what a lot of people do, and that was kind of you know, misstepping that balance or whatever it is that you want to call it. And you were juggling and you were putting on, I kind of, when I was listening to you speak and as someone who was in brownies and girl guides, man, we used to get badges, right? Oh, and it was yeah. like, you know, yeah, badges. So good parent badge, you know, business entrepreneur badge, uh, made the, made the cupcakes for the whatever badge, um, helped my son with his homework badge. And that kind of you know, that kind of changed for you. So why don't you share with us a little bit how you kicked off on this world of being an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, gosh, where to start? The funny thing is, is so in 2013, I was died. It's not even funny, but I will tell you why I think it's funny now. So in 2013, I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer, sporadic Burkitt's lymphoma. And um, at the time, so I have three boys at the time, they were like, nine, five and one. And I just thought, you know, I was told by everyone that my fatigue and how my body was reacting was motherhood. Like, this is it. Suck it up, buttercup. This is adulthood. And, but there was something inside of me that was like, not this, not this, not this. And the interesting part in that moment was nine years before I was diagnosed. Um, 
I was a parent for nine years and it was mothering that really cracked me open to personal development. And that's where I would say the mission kind of started because I remember, you know, I was a single teen parent and I looked at my son and I thought, I will not become a statistic. I will not become a statistic. And I just remember looking at him and this like fire kind of started inside of me, this passion to not become what people expect me to become. So as you can only imagine, I am fueled by adrenaline and cortisol and the fear of screwing up my son, the fear of becoming a statistic the fear of failing him and feeling like on a primal level, I have failed as a woman. And so what did I do? I hustled. I did. I did. I checked the boxes. I did what people didn't think I was capable of. I didn't think what I was capable of, but my underground like force was always to serve for like, and do for my son, never for myself. Like nothing I did was for myself. And that came to bite me when I like my health was deteriorating. I was 27 years old when I was diagnosed, I was young and no one thought I had cancer. Um, and I just remember like resisting that. Cause I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. This is normal. I don't have time for this. And it just got so bad that, um, yeah, I went to the emergency room and they did a CT and blood work. They're like, Heather, you literally have tumors all over your abdomen. Um, we got to take care of this now. And it was those nine years though, where I started to like, ask these questions of like, why do I have to feel like shit? Why is this normal? Why is this okay? And I started actually looking around me for role models and I couldn't find any, I couldn't find any females who were raising children, but also like embodying alive and like had an identity outside of mothering. Um, then they would go into business and it was like, well, you know, I got a burnout. I'm in business. And then I go home and take care of the kids. And it was like, there's still no self-identity. And I was like, not this, I don't want to stand for this. So I actually started my business before I got diagnosed, but it was very child focused. I was a social worker. So I talked about children's behavior and parenting, and then people would, you know, hire me for parenting and relationship stuff. But I would hear from the women because I primarily worked with women. I don't have time for this. I feel like shit. My marriage is falling apart. Um, I'm lost. I don't like my job. And I was like, okay, but like, that's not what you, you hired me for. You hired me for parenting. So come back, come back, come back. And yeah, everything kind of just constantly evolved. And so post 2013, I just kind of like mission accepted. I accepted, like, I am done pretending that how I feel doesn't matter. And that's really when I decided to, to step fully into this, like, mission that now it's like, how do you want to feel? And the secret we're all looking for is literally us, like us to become us because when we become us and we're like, you know, you don't have to like me, that's okay. You don't have to understand why this brings me joy. But when we do that, we can, our relationships improve, our money improves, our connection to our work improves. It takes effort. It's a daily practice, but it's possible. Um, Thank you. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that in their head, right? Like they live two lives, they live the life and then they live in their head and they ask themselves those quiet questions. 
Or when someone was saying, like, I don't have time to take care of me, you could take out the word time and put in money. I don't have the money. Or I'm afraid if I stop hustling or if, I, if I, I'm afraid if I stop doing how I've always done things, that two things are going to fall apart. One's me and the other is the bank account. That's a lot of what I hear from in my practice with um, people that are looking to make a change. It gets it gets un- it gets uncomfortable but it's less uncomfortable than that possibility of what we tell ourselves. I think a lot of that is, I find it really interesting. People came to you for parenting yet the plethora of things that they were coming to you because mm-hmm. one lends to another. If you know, I know that you work with people that are just starting their business and people that have been seasoned, right? They're seasoned um, people in business. What are those seasoned people telling themselves? Why would someone seasoned come, come in, um, need to do something. Yeah. I find a lot of people are attracted for, to me for that inner feeling. So I find, you know, in the, in the startup phases, we think it's the business, right? We think it's the business problems, or we just need that strategy, but really we have no skill. Like if you are not a previous business owner, it's a completely different identity to go from employee or stay at home or whatever your vibe was before to now I'm a business owner. And I've taken radical responsibility for like bringing home the money and making this successful. Now, when you're seasoned, I think you're like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But you're now like, there's something else deeper inside of me that really wants my energy and attention. So how do I, we've done it before, right? We've, we've Mm -hmm. had life transitions. It's an identity shift. How do I give my energy and attention to that next version of myself while still maintaining my current life? Like still paying the bills, still not blowing up my business. Like how do I do both at the same time? And that's where I see people get really stuck is what got you here is not going to get you to the next thing. Um, There's also transition. Sometimes we're in, you know, we're raising children and children are in transition. They're now becoming adults. And there's a lot of grief that happens with that, that people don't want to confront. And when we're not confronting it, we're just suppressing it. We're hiding it. And when we're hiding it, it's going to come out somewhere else. And oftentimes it does come out in the business. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, it comes out somewhere else, right? Or like you had your experience of sometimes it comes out in health, you know, people all of a sudden start getting migraines or they're, they're tired more so than they normally are yet they're not adding more to their plate. So um, I mean, without, you know, giving the whole course and us going right into a full weekend workshop with you. um, If people are in that place where they're, they're okay or they're, they're where they've been for a while and things aren't feeling as satisfied Mm. or it's not bringing them that kind of joy, or they're wondering if maybe this is for them, even though 10 years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, whatever, it was the thing that made them jump out of bed. Um, what are, what are some of the suggestions or things that you can tell people to do or, um, what's some advice around that? Yeah. So I talk a lot about this concept, energetic time management, and it's about reverse engineering how you want to feel. And I created it, um, post chemo when I was like, I don't want to feel dead, right? I don't want to feel dead. How do I want to feel? I want to feel alive. Well, what does aliveness feel like to you? And so first you have to get clear on how you want to feel in your life. And if you find that overwhelming, because a lot of times I hear people say, I don't know, I don't know what I want. And they're just, they kind of shut down, figure out what you don't want. Like what aspects of your life are not working and then put that aside. 
You're like, okay, I know what's not working. And then this is my favorite, favorite, favorite journal prompt ever. Wouldn't it be nice if, Mm. and I always ask, wouldn't it be nice if, because there's no attachment to it. And I do this now to this day. I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if, oh, I think I'm going to start coughing one sec. There we go. (laughs) I'm like running out of liquids. Wouldn't it be nice if I could go for a walk? Wouldn't it be nice if I could have a glass of water right now? Wouldn't it be nice if I could have a bath? Like to, wouldn't it be nice if we could like go on a six month, like crazy trip? Wouldn't it be nice if I could like, just let it out because those are the parts of yourself that want to, those are your desires. I always tell people, if you have a desire to like knit cat sweaters, I'm telling you right now, not everybody else has a desire to knit cat sweaters. Like what is the desire inside of you is made for you and you have to honor it. You have to give it energy and attention. And if you don't, resentment builds, anger builds, frustration builds. You get those migraines, all these things, all this energy comes up and out, but depending on your belief system, what are you going to do? You're like, Oh, I have pain. Can I take a pill for that? Oh, I'm going to go get tested and try to figure out what's not working. I'm like, go do that. You know, conventional medicine, save my life, get the scans, get, do all the things, but don't wait until you're in so much pain and your life is in so much contrast and pressure. You're like, okay, fine. Now I'll take action. Like everything in your life is there to get your attention. I'm sitting right now, sitting on my butt. I've been sitting for too long. So my hips are saying, please stand up, please stand up, please stand up. If I choose to ignore that, they're going to get louder and louder and louder and louder. It's the same with your life. If you choose to ignore your soul, you choose to ignore those desires. They get louder and louder and louder. You're like, I hate my job now. I I've lost all my creative expression. I don't, I'm not inspired. And you're like, what happened? Oh, I need a new career. Do you need a new career or do you just need to reignite yourself? And so sometimes, um, it's about, you know, really looking at how do I want to feel? And then energetic time management is reverse engineering that, but it's so simple. People want to overcomplicate it. You literally have to put these things on your freaking calendar. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not eating or drinking or walking or doing whatever, wouldn't it be nice if, wouldn't it be nice if, and I don't allocate, invest time, invest energy in that nothing's going to change but we want to overcomplicate it. The brain loves to overcomplicate it. That's a great point. I think, you know, when you look at the different generations, right? I mean, on the show, we have from Gen Z all the way up, you know, I'll just say all the way up. <laughs> and talking to people from different generations, there's different challenges. And I think one has been that there's a lot of methodology and, and, there's been a lot of success come from, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, um, it's going to take some work. Don't think, you know, it's like, oh, this generation's lazy. This generation, you know, work too hard. This generation's holistic. This generation is allopathic. Um, it's, it's a plethora of our ideas. And then some of those things I would say, like they're goblins, you know, you got these goblins and sometimes these goblins are different voices Sometimes they're different generations. Sometimes they're, you know, I, I know I, my son's 18 and he's starting his first business. And I was talking to him yesterday and I'm like, okay, this needs to be done by the end of the day. And he's like, why? You know, and I'm like, 
Um, somewhere between, because I said so, and um, I have some an investor looking at your Instagram, so go put some pictures up. Somewhere between there. But do you find that you deal with that in when people come to you that sometimes this is just not what they think they should be doing? There's other voices? Yeah, I mean, we all have the voices. We have our own internal voices. And then we have like societal expectations and then our parents' expectations, whether they're living or not, um, our partner, whether you have a partner or not. Like, I think there's so many voices that we don't actually know what our voice is anymore. And the interesting part is when I'm working with people, whether it's in a group setting or one-on-one setting, um, I always ask them, what do you think you need to do? And they are astonished when I asked them that because they expected me to have some type of secret formula. And I'm like, listen, I can tell you what works for me. And you're going to come back and be like, that doesn't work. Take my tools, take my systems, take my strategies. But you also have to say what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And you need to know the difference between your intuitive gut, like that, this is the direction I need to go in versus this is not aligned. And I'll tell you right now, especially in business. I mean, I think we all know this. Well, that's not true. We don't all know it when it comes to parenting, but I started my career, like really focused on parenting and you needed intuition when it came to like, am I trusting this healthcare practitioner right now? Or is there something deeper going on? And I need to keep searching for this. Then I jump into business and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the same skill. Like, oh, this is the big trendy thing of how people are attracting lead generation or something. And I'm like, that's not working for me. Why isn't that working for me? And I'm like, so it's always coming back to yourself of like, who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? Like, what color do you want your hair? (laughs) Like, And why aren't you dying at the color that you want it? Because you're afraid of the way that other people are going to experience you. But yes, it is generational. There's so much of that. And I have a 17 year old right now. They're 17, 12 and nine. And I see this who I needed to become as he's going into like manhood, adulthood and one more year of high school. And it's just so painful for me. Like it is so incredibly painful for me right now because I'm like, but that's my pain. That's not his pain. So I get to choose, do I project this or not? And I'm just holding the space and going, you actually have way more opportunity than I did at your age. And I have way more opportunity than my mother did. So I can't imagine how overwhelmed you are right now. And then that resistance of the pride of like, I need to do it myself. Like you can't help me. So I'm just here to be like, just hold space and pray that like, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, it's really about who do you want to be? And then all of the shit that comes up of like, I can't, because I can't, because I can't, because you need to fight for that little spark inside of you that wants more, because that is, that's going to get you the long haul. Like when I started, I've been on this journey, like my business for 10 years, my father-in-law, I'm like a weirdo, but like my father-in-law. So when he read my book, he's like, that was the best book ever. And I was like, it's a pretty vulnerable book. It's called dying to be a good mother. And I was like, here you go. You can read the story. And I like let it all out. And he was like, wow, I feel like I went to therapy. That was great. But he said, I thought you were crazy when you started. And, you know, I don't like using mental 
health words crazy. Yeah. He's like, I thought you were nuts. Like, I thought you were just out there. You were do- traveling all these places, doing these things, investing in coaching and doing all these things. And we just told you to like, stay in your social work job and like pay for the groceries. And I was like, screw that. Your husband is not going to make, or your son is not going to make me you know, a millionaire, like I gotta go do it. And I was just like angry and frustrated 10 years ago and I kept sticking with it. And now he was like, I'm sorry that I didn't get you. And now that I see that you held on long enough and it's working. And I, and all my friends now are asking me for help and they're like, how did you do it? Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And so in those moments when you're like, I feel, I feel like people are judging me because I want something different. Understand it's not really judgment. It's their lack of courage. And the reason why you feel so different or whatever it is, is because you're hanging on to somebody else's idea of who you need to be. And I think like, when I look at my kids, I can't even, I can't even argue with them anymore when they're talking Mm -hmm. about the educational system. I'm like, I'm having more arguments with your teachers because I'm like, why do you keep pretending that this is serving our youth? It is not, it is killing them slowly. And that's just freaking heartbreaking to me. So it's, we still have a lot of work to do. And I feel like the pendulum always swings. Um, But I think when we can hold space for another human and be like, who do you want to be? If you know, wouldn't it be nice if like, what is the answer for you? And I will hold space to help you make that happen. Even if I don't agree with your direction, I will work on my shit to get out of your way. And I think that is what we can do. I think that's very powerful that I will work on my stuff so that you can be who you are, because clearly we judge each other. We impress upon each other, right? Which is when you talk about that, two things pop up. I love the, I can't because for so there's so many times that I'm either working on something with myself or I have a client that's working on something and you see this haze kind of come over their eyes and they're like, they don't even know why they can't go in that direction. And I think I can't because takes those things real or unreal out of their head and put them on paper so that you can decide whether they're true. Yeah. I mean, so much of the stuff, Daniel, Dr. Daniel Amen, I'm a bit of a brain girl and I study him and he's like, don't you love him? Oh, he's, he honestly, I think he, he saved myself and my daughter when she was really young. And I'm, she came in, I was watching him on PBS because I'd been studying the brain and not finding any answers for this kid that had this learning challenge. And she walked in, I said, Chloe, come on in. And she sat down and she's like, mom, that's me. Like, that's me. And there was really nothing he could, they were giving at that time. But anyways, I'm kind of trailing off on a different, on different ways, but he talks about like anywhere from 70 to 90% of your thoughts every day are crap. They're not even true. And you have to, in a millisecond, decide whether they are. But if you heard something for a long time, it's difficult to know whether it's true or not. It's difficult to know what you truly want. And what I, what I hear you saying, and maybe I'm wrong, but especially when you're working with someone seasoned, it's like they get down to different layers of what they want or people that get stuck after being in business for a while because what they wanted changed, but they don't know how to get in there or they don't know if it's safe to go in there because they've built this empire. And what if they change everything? What happens to their, what happens to their empire, AKA money? (laughs) Right. Well, I think we all forget too, that everything is temporary. Like I was just saying to somebody earlier, 
I feel great in most areas of my life. A month ago, I was in fetal position around my business because something just wasn't clicking. It wasn't working, but I knew that the only way it was through just keep chopping wood, carrying water, like chip away, become the detective. And we have to do that with our lives and ourselves as well It's like, what is not working and let's look at it. And the quicker you look at it, the better, because if you're not looking at it, you're avoiding it and it's just going to get bigger. Um, yeah, there's so much I want to say about like, it's the impermanence, but understand like you build this empire. We, we hold on to like, when I get there, then I will, right? When I get there, when I hit the million mark, then I'll feel this way. When I hit this million mark, then I'll feel this way. You get there, you're like, okay, well, that wasn't it. I just need to add a few more, a few more zeros. And then you get there and you're like, oh my gosh, like, what was I chasing? You were chasing a feeling the whole time you're chasing a feeling. So if you figure out how to give yourself that dose of the feeling, like little microdosing your feelings every single day of the week, you become fulfilled. And when you become fulfilled, you're like, I have arrived. I've arrived at that feeling. But then you also have to realize that life is temporary. And so those feelings are temporary. It's like nature, the wave comes and goes. And then the next day, you know, the, the water is level and it's quiet. It's like, that's like our emotional state and that's your desires. And if you are not feeding them and constantly looking at that, um, you're going to feel stuck because you're not moving and you're, you're in your head and you're in ego. And so there's so much more out there. But if you just refuse to be like, I can't, I can't, you won't. But if you're mm -hmm. like, how can I, then the doors start to open for you. As you talk and I think about when you were saying how you have so much more opportunity than your, you know, your mother did and our children have so much more opportunity or this, this younger generation or whatever you want to call it. They have so much more opportunity and how, you know, we're fighting for it. They're engulfed by it. <laughs> you know, their comparisons are so much different and so much bigger. Uh, their idea of hitting a million dollars, you know, they're like, oh yeah, well that's million dollars is nothing. You yeah. know, to us, it was, if I could ever make a million dollars when someone was a millionaire, it was a big deal. You know, you have someone come onto your show or you're rubbing shoulders with a millionaire. That was a big deal. Right. And now it's, um, it's not as, it's not as, you know, unreachable, right? People can actually obtain that. Um, I find that really, it's interesting. I don't know if there's anything that can change about it or not have you, but what I do know is that every generation has its advantages and disadvantages. I watch this generation, this Gen X that are coming up and I watch in business, a lot of them have are watching other people online. So they're versed quicker, whether the information is right or not, doesn't seem to be the matter. They still have to go through those lessons. Right. Yeah. But um, they are watching people like us with, you know, my, my niece is coming to spend a couple of weeks and her dad, who's my brother pretty well, we're best friends. He's been a Monday to Friday, nine to five. Well, he works in the film industry, so there's no nine to five there, but you know, he's been in the union and what have you. And she's like, I'm going to go hang out with auntie Deb. You know, so she's like, I want to go. I want to go hang out in Yale town. I want to live downtown with Deb. Um, and she's not coming to live. She's spending the weekend, but they have a different idea and aspiration. And he's like, you hear you, you, you figure this out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, think it's they, so making that like off that point of how we just need to experience culture. We need to experience other people and how they live and exposing that. Like 
I have challenges right now in my mind when it comes to my children and like their next level, like education and culture and like this desire to like, just pull them out. And then, but this duality of like, I pull them out, but there's also aspects of school that they really enjoy, but I don't agree with the system. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then my oldest who is now almost complete with that system and then potentially going into another system or choosing entrepreneurship, but he sees what I had to go through and is like, I'm not attracted to that right now, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, you need to learn the skills, like learn the skills. And I think that is a huge missing piece is learning skills. And I'm watching this pendulum swing back and forth where people thought it just needed to be systems and data and check, check, check. And like, it's a numbers game and you just need this and you just need this. And I see it going back to relationships. Mm -hmm. I see it going back to sales skills, like human connection and people are, have lost that and they don't know how to have those conversations. And when we still have this huge disconnect between authority and like, you know, the adults being, you know, the, the know all be all powerful and the children's knowing nothing. Cause we still have that in our culture. We're not asking kids, what do you think? How would you solve this differently? And when I ask my kids that they have the answer. And so many times I have to actually use probably the same skills that you have like learned over the years, parenting of like how to calm down their nervous system, because they're so afraid they're going to get in trouble because they're not doing it the way that they're supposed to do, or the way that somebody else is supposed to do. And I'm like, the skills that they actually need for the future are these critical thinking, problem solving skills. And yet that's not what they're currently learning in school. And there's a huge freaking disconnect. And that that's my fear is like, how do I instill the creative outside of the box thinking in a generation that is, you know, being like, well, now it's not about going, you know, don't, you don't need to be a doctor or a lawyer, like go to post-secondary education if you're not like good at the books, but if you're not, you know, go to a trade school or go do this. And it's like, again, what do you need to do and who do you need to become in order to gain the confidence and the self-esteem and all of that to deal with all of this BS that's coming at you. It's really interesting when you talk because I have two children and they're 10 and a half years apart and they both had challenges in the system due to a, a you know, I call it a learning exception, learning creativity, whatever you, you want. I hate the LD thing. It's I love a, it that you call it an exception. It's an exception. And a good friend of mine, um, he worked in um, social services and he, like, he used to have group homes and his home was the last caboose on the train. Like you could get in so much trouble and, and no one else would take these kids and if you ended up at his house, because no one else, and he, and so I called him and I was in this like, oh my gosh, you know, Chloe can't do this. And she's crying at night and she's, she can't, all this stuff. She's crying because she can't do the work. And he's like, I'm going to tell you something. So many parents, because we don't know, because there's a problem. So what do we do? We solve problems. We right? want to fix this, and rest We want to fix it. He goes, I'm not saying ignore it. Go do the testing. Find out where the gaps are. Do what you need to do. Get her a tutor. Get her this. But find the gift and double down, like double down. And I swear to God, I should send him a bouquet of flowers every week for that because it made me turn my head around and go, what is she good at and double down. And then when my son, you know, made his way into my life, whose challenges were compounded over my daughters, then 
Um, I remembered that and it was like, find the gift, double down, double down. And it all came to when he was 10 years old and we walked into a Shinsen Co. And he said, that pillow needs to go over on that couch. And I thought, what 10 year old does that? And I'm like, oh, he's got an eye for interior and design. And then all of a sudden, and at 12 years old, he wanted to learn how to make sneakers and fashion. I just doubled down on that kid who was struggling in school, got him a fashion designer instead of a tutor. And here we are, and he's 18, starting his own business. Now, I'm not going to say everyone's journey is going to be like that. And God knows it wasn't that easy. And it's still not that easy, right? But the point was, that was the best advice that I ever got was to double down um, and try to work with the teachers as best I could. But when the time came, when the time came and it was too difficult and it was affecting my son's esteem, we opted out and went for fashion design. And people knew at that point not to say anything to me. (laughs) I'd gone through what 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 are you doing so sometimes you have to come up and sometimes you roll the dice and you make the best decisions you can and well you know what the even this conversation I mean I think part of my mission is I was that child and I see it reflected a lot back now in my oldest because he reminds me so much of me he definitely has a lot of more emotional parental support than I did But Mm -hmm. again, that's a generational thing. And I overcompensated because I didn't have that. So I was like, let's learn about this because I never want my child to feel that way. And but growing up, I was severely depressed and I go to school. I could barely get out of bed because I did not understand the quality of sleep. And, you know, your brain is racing and you're anxious and you can't sleep. So what do they do? You know, they're like, you suck why are you doing this? You're late detention, detention, like just throw it on me. Right. And I'm watching Mm -hmm. that with this system now. And I thought I was stupid. I thought I was really dumb. I thought I was incapable. I had learning exceptions as you call them. I had to get extra support with reading and writing and just like the heaviness, the heaviness. And so I just shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and then ended up getting pregnant because I was going down the wrong path and it was a blessing in disguise. I'm not saying everyone needs to get pregnant and figure this shit out. Cause that's definitely <laughs> not the right way to do it. But anyways, it happened. And then I chose, I had to, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have like an adult who was like, I see something inside of you and I'm really going to advocate for that. Like I had to be that person for myself. And so I started to do that with myself. And that's like, when I'm working with people now, I'm like, I'm just walking you back home to your authentic self. Like that's all I'm doing. And parenting brought you there or business brought you there or work brought you there, or like your health brought you there, but that's all I'm doing is walking you back home to yourself. And now when I see that being done to other people or how like the systems are like working against us, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I love it when those kids, like I used to work in, in child protection as a social worker. And I love when those kids were like, you know, the ones that would spit and swear and do all these things because I knew that their armor was just thicker. That's all it was. It was just thick armor. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I see you, like, I see you and you can't hurt me. You can try, but you're not going to, because I'm not going to leave you, nor am I going to punish you or scold you for who, for what happened to you. I, that is not even my story. And I don't need to know any of that. All I know is that your armor is super thick and I don't fucking blame you. And I don't know why adults can't see that. I don't know why, maybe because they haven't been that child, but being that child, it is so freaking painful to watch and observe how 
you know, I love what you said about find the gift and double down. Like, why are they not going like, what are you curious about? Where's the spark? And just observing, like there's a spark and yes, we can teach them how to read and how to write and do all that. But like, what is the spark? Because we're, our children are literally losing their spark. Well, and when you take that, thank you so much for sharing. And when you take that and you apply it to um, the work that you do, the work that I do, the work that many people do, and you take people back to massage, it reminds me of, you know, I had a private health studio for a long time and we would do massage and there was 18 of us. And what we said, all we did is we just brought people back to themselves. You know, we did more holistic work and whatever, but we just got you connected. And as soon as you got connected, then you within yourself knew what you needed. You within yourself. Now, people like you are what people need because I believe we all need a mentor. People have asked me like, have you stayed in business so long? Or have, I'm like, I've always had someone because I think it's important to have that person outside of your friendships, outside of your relationship, outside of your partner, your spouse, your kids, whatever, that one place where you get to just like, look, right. You just oh get to God, be yeah. whatever you want to be. And that person does exactly what you said. No wonder you're so great at what you do. It's just like, you know, you kind of just get to help them take them home, but also merge that with their goal, their life goals and make sure that there's some kind of alliance. Not every day is going to be great. Some days are going to wake up and you can listen to all the Tony Robbins and Oprah and Brendan Burchard and Brene Brown and that you want, and it might make your day tolerable, <laughs> right? But more times than not, if you know you have someone at your back, I mean, why do you think these sports teams go to the top? Because they have a great coach, right? Yeah. Why do they praise the coach? It's someone that actually helps them no matter what navigate and then get to that next place, wherever it is, or be okay with where they are. Yes. That brings up, um, when I found coaching. So mm -hmm. I'm a huge, I mean, I'm a trained therapist. I used to love therapy. I love it. I'm not saying don't love it, but I always tell people if something's not working for you, it's time to move on. And even when you have a coach or you're trying something like you're in a yoga class and you're like, I'm comfortable here. I need to be challenged. And you like, listen to your desires, like stop staying where you think you need to stay because it's comfortable. It's what I'm trying to tell people. But I, mm -hmm. I remember like talking about my problems and I was like, I'm so fucking done talking about my problem. Like, how do I create change? How? And then you go somewhere else and they're like, go do this. And it's like, but show me the how I need somebody to show me the how. Mm -hmm. And so I remember not kidding. Remember I was like looking out for a role model. I'm like, hello, is anyone out there? That's why I started my podcast. I was like, am I the only one out here? Cause that was like <laughs> seven, eight years ago when I started podcasting, but I found a little Facebook ad, like when Facebook ads were like big, but like barely around. And she was my first mentor. I went down her funnel. I like, I was like, drank all the Kool-Aid. It was an amazing experience. But I just remember feeling lit up and I was like, this is what I was searching for is somebody to help me get to where I want to be, not maintain this level of shittiness in my life and being like, suck it up, buttercup. This is adulthood. And that is why we need these people in our lives. And I was so young. Like, I, I think I came out of the womb, like a million years old. Like I'm very much an old soul, but I was like 23 ish years old and joined my first $10,000 mastermind. I joined like a thousand dollar program at first, had no money, like 
swiping the credit card, doing the minimum payment that I could do, but I did the work. I did what I actually bought into. And then I was like, oh my God, what's next? And I remember joining her program and I was like, how can I, how can I? And, you know, we made a payment plan to work. I got a few extra shifts at my job as a social worker. I still had my kids at the time. Like if I didn't have the third one, I definitely had two at the time. And it was just like, make it work. I was so, my fear of being who I knew I was going to be, if nothing changed was way bigger than the fear of not having enough. And I just, I worked, I did the work and then you learn next level, next level, next level. So when I hear people now be like, I can't afford it. And I'm like, you're making six figures. You're making multiple six figures. If you can't afford it, you got, you need a lifestyle freaking change. Like there's a lot more going on. If you say you can't afford it, like trade in your freaking BMW and start investing in your health, take a freaking bike to work. Like it's like reprioritize what is important to you. Because if you continue on this path, be afraid of what's going to happen if you don't change and how much is it actually costing you not to change? And that's, I've always been motivated by what it's costing me not to change. And I could see the future if I didn't change. And I just wish so many more people would wake up to that in your business, in your relationships, in your health, like it's there. It's, it's inevitable. Your current habits, mental habits, physical habits, emotional habits will get you there. Maybe five years, maybe 10 years. You cool with that? Because if nothing changes, like you got to change. I love it. And as someone who's been in health and wellness for 30 years, when people used to call me a professional hippie because I wore a suit, right? But I say to to people like the biggest piece of real estate that you have is you. So these supplements are 80 bucks. So this treatment is a hundred bucks. So this course is whatever it is. It's like stop going to winners and buying new pillows and shams, right? You can use the same dishes that you've had for 10 years, mm, right? But go buy a couple card chargers if you want. I think, I love how you said prioritize. But they need, but they need a kitchen reno. They need <laughs> the kitchen reno. It's outdated. They need the kitchen reno and they need the new car. They need yes. it. Yeah. 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 So on that note, let's leave people something to chew about. Honestly, this has been fantastic. So Heather, I've got a question for you. But first, before we do that, I'd like you to at least tell our listeners. And of course, it's going to be in the show notes for you that are viewing. um, Where can people find more and what do you have? Because you've got some great things, right? You talked about a book. Talk a little bit about that. You've got a podcast. You've got coaching. What have you got for people to tap into, girl? Yeah. So you can find me. I hang out a lot on the podcast. It's called emotionally uncomfortable. So just check that out. Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, the book is called dying to be a good mother. Um, it's kind of a prescriptive memoir. So it talks about my story, but I give you some tangible, like kind of action steps as well. And there is like a almost 30 page workbook that comes with that. And you can download that at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash guest, like G-U-E-S-T. I give you the workbook. I give you kind of like the accompanied podcast to listen to, kind of like my, what I call emotionally uncomfortable toolkit. Um, So there's lots of free resources in there. And I just say, dive into the work. And then if you are, you know, connected, you can check me out on Instagram at Heather Chauvin, send me a message. Um, yeah, I always say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear and you got to trust your gut and follow the teachers that you're attracted to. 
Awesome. Okay, so here's my last question before we sign off. And thank you, everyone, for staying, learning, watching, braving this conversation because it's been nice and deep. So, Heather, you're heading off by yourself, no kids, no one else. No one else can bring any any kind of music. It's just you and music, and you're taking an album, and you're going to a desert island, and you only get one. Which, I mean, I'm not saying song. I'm going to give you an album here. Which album would you take? I'm not even, I'm not a music person at all. So when I ask, get asked these music questions, I freak out. I would say like Dance Mix 95. Like I have no idea. I love, I can't even, I'm the worst when it comes to music, but I love acoustic. I love like the folk music and just like the down to earth, like realness, rawness. Um, you know, kumbaya fire, fire um, music for sure. Uh, okay, I have a suggestion for you then. And if I, uh, for you guys Please that are do, listening, I'm like, if, oh my gosh, this okay, is okay. the worst question ever. Okay, I, so I that's, just say that's, Spice Girls, just something to like <laughs> my okay. generation. All right, okay, Spice Girls and Dance Mix 95. We I was got- totally kidding though, that's not my vibe, but okay, go okay, ahead. Okay, okay. So, so there's a great guy, his name is John Butler Trio. Mm. And he's from Australia. And I got turned on to him because my girlfriend used to work for Live Nation and there was these concerts and I checked it out. And I happened to pick up his song because it was called, I I listened to a song called Ocean. Well, oh, it's 12 minutes. And don't tell me you don't have time because now I know you do. No. (laughs) And it's a, it's, it's a 12 string guitar. Wow. And he plays, um, if you, if you go John Butler trio, um, Ocean and then Japan, you will see him play to 70,000 people. Wow. And this song is so profound. I bought the album because he came to Vancouver. I bought four tickets. I didn't know who was coming with me. I didn't care if anyone came. I just brought, bought four to be nice. And so I went and literally everyone stood up at this song and I bought the album. The album itself is called Ocean and it's one song. So if you like that, listen to that. That might be the next answer when someone asks you who you like. John okay. Trio. Yeah, I'm going to look him up. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending some time. That was inspirational. And I feel like we kind of put, peeled back a little bit of the tulips and uh, got to the got to the guts of it. But you're an incredible woman. You're powerful. Congratulations on your epiphanies and congratulations on being brave to walk through them. Um, you know, if I ever come around again as a, as a kid, I definitely would be looking down. You'd be the mom I'd pick. Aw, thanks, Deborah. You're welcome. Okay, girl, have a good day. Thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.